0: BLOB TALK RADIO June nineteenth, two 2015 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and here we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism makes explicit and upholds and defends the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peakoff, and people here are Lining up in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, I see a number of the usual suspects. We have Chief Justice, ha, 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 John Roberts, just Jean. I see Levi, Mark, Pig Fan, Selfishness. Some more people are rolling in. You can participate tonight either here in the chat room or you can also call in and the phone number is 760-888 five eight one seven. again, that's seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. And what are you chiming in on? Well, tonight's main topic is what I'm calling the left's double hypocrisy about Charleston. And there's a couple different angles on the Charleston massacre that people on the left have taken that we're going to show to not only be irrational, but also hypocritical. Of course, the most important thing is to show them to be wrong in irrational positions. But, you know, the icing, I guess, if you're going to make icing out of something as horrible as this, um, is that it's very hypocritical. And, and because we are talking about life and death matters in the health of our nation and of the lives of the people in it, um, it's really bad to see these positions being taken anyway. That that's the main topic. But there's a number of other stories that I want to discuss, and just some kind of odds and ends as well. Go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Again, that's don'tletitgo.com, and you can see the program notes for today's show. It's a collection of links that I've put together there for you, so you can check that out and chime in, uh, here, like I said, here in the chat room or not. Audio is a little shaky. Sound from last week is back is what I'm getting in the chat room here. Let me know how it's going as time goes on. Is everything pretty stable right now? What I may need to do is actually just put my computer on a different surface from the microphone. So if it's really steady right now and there's absolutely no issue right now, logic isn't shaky though thanks john sometimes at this hour the logic maybe the logic itself is a little shaky but it's oh it's still cutting in and out says everyone okay this is not good because i mean i don't hear anything myself there's nothing that i'm i'm touching or doing here that should be interfering i wonder if we've got like a faulty oh oh, there's something Let me, uh, does that help at all? Are we a little more solid? I might just have to get a new microphone cord and that might be it. Anyway, you can let me know as time goes on and I'll in again here in the chat room if you do want to talk and you have called in just go ahead and press the one button is what i believe you have to do and that'll give me a little question icon indicator that you want to join in so if you go to those program notes to don'tletitgo.com, you see that the first item on the agenda is the american freedom alliances conference celebrating the 800th anniversary of the magna carta And I was asked to fill in on a panel at that conference pretty much at the last minute about a week before maybe a little bit more than a week before the conference was actually held and The topic that I was given and luckily for me It was actually a a panel that was held on the second day of the conference, but the topic that I was given was then this is it the, the title the anglosphere So the world of the English-speaking peoples, the Anglosphere, as the backbone of Western civilization. So smart people are supposed to get up there and talk about why it is that the English-speaking countries are the backbone of Western civilization. That is a tall order. Now, I sat and listened to a number of panels on the first day, and the thing that was coming out in these panels was that the, you know, kind of in the early years of the English-speaking world or the Anglo-Saxon peoples, those people had in them kind of an implicit individualism is the way that they were talking about it. So they said that they were individualistic and they were voluntaristic, which I take to mean that they like to deal with each other on a voluntary basis of trade. Uh, Of course, this was within limits because you still have kind of feudal societies and things like that but the Thought was that it was these people who had this kind of individualist sense about them that could give rise in 1215 to something like Magna Carta whereas and and Why was it explained as the English-speaking people because remember again? Um, You know, John at the time, excuse me, King James at the time was Norman and the noblemen were Norman, but supposedly by 1215, there was a lot of intermarrying between the noblemen and the Anglo-Saxons. And so this is how they had this spirit within them to approach James and make him sign the compact, right? Right. So this individualistic sort of what I would call in Ayn Rand's terms sense of life. Many of you who have been following this show know that I call it Don't Let It Go. And it is the American sense of life. And um, I'm hearing that there's still some kind of bad sounds here. I don't, I'm not exactly sure this, the, the sound here had been flawless for weeks and I'm not doing anything different. If anything, I have fewer chord connections here today but um uh, in in any event so there what you know we talk about here is the american sense of life and that it's important not only not to let it go but to make the ideas behind the american sense of life explicit so what we were talking about with respect to the anglosphere is the, the people had an individualist voluntarist in effect sense of life that was not the term that anybody used but they said that they were this sort of people and so what i ended up discussing in my panel was the fact that what made the Anglosphere, if that's really a valid concept, what would make it the backbone of Western civilization, in effect, it's sort of an accident that these people spoke English. Some people will say that there's something about the English language that would make it more individualistic, and there might be certain things about it, but I am not a linguist. But what the English-speaking people did, starting with Magna Carta, is they took this individualist sense of life assuming that's what existed there and they made it explicit in step by step by step so you have the magna carta in 1215 then you have the english bill of rights then you have of course our american founding documents there is such thing they call it the english constitution but it's not a single document it you know built up over over years um it's more like the the Greek sense of the term constitution, the composition of their government and some of the rules governing it, but it's not a document like ours is. We have a written constitution, which is a great innovation, but you know, what have we done in the English speaking world? Step by step by step, we have made this sense of life explicit. And so what I argued is that the next necessary step is of course, still to flesh out, what rights mean and what they are and how they apply because some people are confused about them today still but most importantly we need to give rights a full philosophical defense and we need to make the defense of that explicit and in particular we need to defend the right to the pursuit of happiness fully and forthrightly self-righteously We need to do that. So that is the next step in making that sense of life explicit and continuing to therefore be the backbone of Western civilization. Now, what does it mean to be the backbone of Western civilization? You know, what is it? What is Western civilization in this context? And really what I was talking about there was that civilization that in effect embodies and exemplifies, exhibits the core values, the core human values of reason, purpose, and self-esteem. So that's in effect what I talked about there. If there are videos made available, there there was a lot of video taken. If there are videos made available, then I'll go ahead and share it with you here. But I was very uh, excited to be invited to that conference. I learned a lot by listening. So for example, one thing that I learned was that recent archeological digs apparently revealed that in the English-speaking areas, um, there was more money found in the archeo- archaeological dig sites. More money found there than in the non-English-speaking sites, and that was true, you know, of course, before the Industrial Revolution. Even that there was more money used. They were more on the premise of specialization and trade, and you know, instead of kind of a barter society or What's worse, you know, just kind of hitting your neighbor over the head and stealing his cow sort of thing. So I think that was also, um, you know, a good sign about the English speaking people. Um, So that was what I did this week. Um, Mark in the chat room just asked, "Did did you tie Ayn Rand's ethics to your speech? Yes, of course. And... Definitely uh, through those core values of of reason, purpose, self-esteem. Uh, yeah, Just Jean says, Magna Carta, glad you're talking about that tonight. I'm very happy to be talking about that tonight. As you'll see when I visit uh, something else in a little bit, uh, it was nice to focus on some positive things this week. It, you know, it was. It, it's really been a tough week in, in various ways. And I actually resorted to picking up a book about history in my mind for the explicit purpose of escaping what's going on in the world right now, which was really a first for me to say, okay, let me just pick up a book of history. And I, of course, I think I got the idea from being at the Magna Carta conference and kind of soaking that up. Although it was funny because a number of the panelists kept talking about how bad things are today you know not just celebrating the Magna Carta but saying look we are in danger of losing all the things that the you know if you want to call it again English-speaking peoples have been fighting for for centuries and developing over centuries we at definite risk of losing it there was one uh, man who was on my panel and panel and he was also on another panel his name is Guy a uh, Frenchman and he was the funniest because most of us don't expect Frenchmen to be so unapologetically American or pro-American. And he really, really celebrated the values that he sees as embodied in the United States and, you know, kept issuing dire warnings of, of you know, what do, if, if we don't use the Magna Carta, he said, basically as a tool, to fight for our freedoms and fight for the survival of the country that the world, um, you know, not just us, but the world is, is going to suffer. You know, he thinks that the world cannot survive if we don't save the United States. So, yeah, so as I said, a lot of it was sobering, but it got me into the idea of celebrating some of the great eras of history. And, you know, something that didn't get mentioned too much at that conference was really ancient Greece. As the first real backbone of Western civilization the English-speaking countries Really revived the spirit of ancient Greece via the enlightenment and that is what? Made you know made them the backbone of the of Western civilization in the, in the modern era um, So, yes, it was very it was very very nice to do that because why this week we hear of course about the horrible horrible atrocity, uh, committed by, I mean, you wouldn't even call him a man, a slime, a, I don't know, um, sub slime in South Carolina, his name, Dylan roof. And, um, the CNN story that I linked to over at don'tletitgo.com. Just try to turn your volume down and don't listen to the video because the video automatically starts playing. And what you hear is you hear the families already forgiving this guy and I I mean you tell me how you feel about it but I don't believe that this man is deserving of any kind of forgiveness of course he hasn't done anything to warrant that at all Um, the only thing that I hear is that he hasn't repented at all Um, and you know he's not at all apologetic for what he's done. He is—he's a monster. Um, they want to help his family. They want to forgive him. I—I—I I, I really can't understand um, how this. Uh, they've set bail a million dollars on a weapons possession charge. Um, Roof admitted that he shot and killed the people that he sat with for Bible study. Uh, why he said he wanted to start a race war. Now, I know I would say in this country, there's already been a bit of the start of a race war going on, or at least some people have tried to start it. So if anything, he would be trying to continue and, you know, kind of fan the flames of the race war. But apparently that's what he said. He wants to go ahead and start a race war. And some people have been taking the bait and, you know, saying that somehow white people have to pay for this. Um, one of the survivors, actually the, the survivor, I think was the only one left, said that Roof answered one man's pleas to stop by saying, no, you've raped our women and you're taking over the country. I have to do what I have to do. He is a horrible racist blaming blacks for whatever imagined grievances he can drum up and I understand he was on all sorts of drugs and everything too um, who it was that gave him a gun I heard that it was an uncle of some kind uh, judging from pictures that I've seen of him I, I he looked disturbed to me I would not be giving this person a gun um, it, and it was, it was really disturbing to me to hear the families already forgiving him um The idea that he's going into a church and sitting with these people and praying with them and thinking that they are somehow the cause of some sort of drummed up imagined problems. Just Jean in the chat room says that she's offended that the victim's families would forgive him. Uh, John Roberts says that Charles Manson's goal was also to start a race war. Stuart says I'm sad to say that I worried the news media was trying to start a race war by taking these isolated incidents of police brutality And depicted as proof of systemic white oppression of non-whites, right? That is the sort of thing that we had Going on already and there were some people in this country who had decided that You know, there was a battle somehow of the races Going on painting everybody with a broad brush based on their skin color The uncle said that the father gave it to him on his 21st birthday. Then the uncle said that if they would let him, he'd be the executioner. Oh my gosh. This is really, he sat with them for over an hour says Mark. Yeah, this is truly, truly unbelievable. Um, are these horrible things reinforced because the news media make it all about the killer, thereby tacitly glamorizing him? You know, if they put this guy on the cover of Rolling Stone, like they did that Sarnayev guy, um, that would be even worse. But I do, I think they give way too much coverage to, you know, these uh, these horrible, horrible killers. But let, let's talk about some of the reactions that I'm saying are not only... Irrational. I do think it's irrational, of course, uh, to forgive, especially when there is absolutely no remorse, a clear intention to start a race war, racist declarations from the killer as he's doing the shooting. He is, by all accounts, a horrible person beyond any sort of redemption or forgiveness. So I would say forgiving him would be completely wrong in this context. But let's talk about. Um, two ways in which the left has been exposed as total hypocrites Um, Doug Mastaconis, excuse me, not Mastaconis, Maticonis, and on Twitter, he goes by D-M-A-T-A-C-O-N-I-S So it's Doug Maticonis on Twitter He juxtaposed two tweets from Salon.com in one graphic and one tweet was from this week And it was a Salon.com story. White America must answer for the Charleston Church Massacre. Then there was a tweet from 2013, April 2013, right after the Boston Massacre, the Boston Marathon Massacre of the Sarnav's. And the article there was, Muslims don't need to apologize for the Sarnav's. So on the one hand, when you have an individual evil white person his skin happens to be white he happens to be a horrible racist he goes into a church and massacres the innocent it's white america that must answer for that on the other hand if you have a couple of muslims who themselves decide that they're going to go ahead and take the jihadist path and they massacre many, many, many people at a huge event like the Boston Marathon. No, Muslims don't need to apologize for that. Not even, you know, and, and you know, think of the language here. They don't need to apologize. Whereas White America must answer for. That sounds even more aggressive in terms of, you know, so, so even the small thing of, you know, apologizing. And you could say, you know, if you have an innocent Muslim who comes to you and repudiates and tries to apologize, I mean, what would the first thing you'd say, you know, don't apologize um, because it wasn't you and this is not what you believe. And you repudiate the jihadist. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just being reminded that three people died in the Boston Massacre, but um, many, 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 many were maimed and injured. It was a a horrible thing. Um, But, you know, white America now must answer. All of white America somehow has to answer. What does answer for mean, right? Um, So I, I I don't see what they're doing here, but let's look at the two stories and see what it is that is actually being called for um i've got a feature on the salon.com piece with some extensive quotations here um the the piece at salon is written by chauncey de vega and this is what is written um the motivation of the shooter is not known but his actions are his own still salon oh okay no sorry this is not what chauncey writes um let me, let me give you what, what he writes. He says, uh, there are several words and phrases that are not likely to be used by the corporate news media in the discussions of the Charleston mass murders at the church. And those include, quote, what is radicalizing white men to commit such acts of domestic terrorism and mass shootings? Are Fox News and the right wing media encouraging violence? OK, this is so basically this person is saying, Yes, Fox News and the right-wing media are, at least to some extent, encouraging violence. And I ask you, those of you, I, I mean, Fox News is not necessarily my 100% favorite. Um, I could talk a little bit later. I watched um, the beginning of Greg Gutfeld's new show, and I already have a complaint, unfortunately. Um, but whatever you want to say about Fox News, would you ever think that they have encouraged violence? Moreover, have they encouraged violence in churches in the South? I have not seen anything, but this is what this person wants people to seriously entertain is the idea that Fox News and the right-wing media are encouraging violence. Um, Is something wrong with the white family? Why are their sons and men so violent? This is, you know, something they say that we, we aren't going to hear. Now, Are they saying this also because they're saying, oh, well, on the other side, there are whites who ask about black families. What is wrong with the black family? Why are their sons and men so violent? Now, it is true that some people ask those racist questions, but I don't think anybody in the so-called corporate news media seriously asks questions like that about blacks in today's culture, nor do I think that you should ask, you know, why is it? you know, about about the family and stuff. (sighs) What should law enforcement and white politicians do about white crime? You know, instead of making it about black crime, is the Charleston mass shooting just one more sign that America needs sensible and reasonable gun control policies? We'll take up gun control in a minute. Where are the white fathers in the white home? Okay, so this is where you're supposed to be asking this question. Uh, Apparently, there are statistically higher absences of fathers among black parents, but let's just go ahead and ask it about whites anyway. um, When will white leadership step up and stop uh, white right-wing domestic terrorism? Because of course this is a major problem is white American culture, pathological, et cetera. So these are the sorts of questions that they think I guess should be asked. Why? Because I guess they think some people in the media have asked that about blacks of course I haven't seen it you tell me if you have seen any of questions asked this way about blacks I haven't seen it appropriate role models for white men and boys could you have better role models and mentoring blah 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 Um, and then here's the quote from Salon once and again white privilege is the power to be the ultimate individual where one's actions and behavior rarely if ever reflects on the collective character of a white people on mass but they're saying look you should make this individual this warped horrible racist individual you should make his behavior reflect on the collective character of white people that's the implication now Salon.com in 2013 has the article. I am not the Sarnayevs, and as the title indicates, the author is basically saying, "Look, not all Muslims agree with what the Sarnayevs did." Um, you know uh, that you know they wonder uh, that. You know, uh, why Why is it that people, if it's a white Muslim, is it different than if it's a, um, you know, someone who looks more Arab because that person's more like a lone wolf, a lone radical gunman, or someone who's deeply disturbed? Um, you know, what's the difference between the terrorism of the, the Sarnayev brothers and the lone radical violence of other white supremacists? And basically what this guy is trying to do is... Sidestep the problem that there are a significant number of people who are motivated by Islam you know he's got this guy's got a whole riff about you know Islam doesn't kill people I've never met Islam he says Islam has never asked me out on a date if it did one day it might take me to some sort of place followed by chai and Kira's dessert another night I might be treated to fried chicken collard greens and bean pies Islam might even try to make a move at the end of the night or abstain from all physical relations until marriage. Islam might toast me with a glass of champagne or order an overpriced non-alcoholic mojito, etc., etc. And basically what they want to say is, you know, individual Muslims are different and you can't paint with a broad brush and etc. But nonetheless, what is true is there are a significant number of people who today take them at their word, state that they are motivated by Islam and loyalty to jihadist organizations, ISIS that purports to be the caliphate, the up and coming caliphate. (sighs) But no, we don't take them at their word and we don't blame the ideology. And no, of course it would be irrational to blame all Muslims for the actions of the sarnaevs but nonetheless you can blame the ideology islam and you could ask muslims to denounce the ways of jihad and you know look a little bit more into their religion and make you know explicit decision to reject those doctrines within it that call for violence or call for other you know violations of the rights of of women et cetera. so um you know this this idea of the double standard that they have here that they say okay with respect to um i think i just got a message i'm sorry um you know the double standard they have a you know with respect to muslims we want to make sure that we're not painting them with a broad brush says salon it's not fair to paint with a broad brush but then we do have to, all white people have to answer for Roof's actions in Charleston this week. So that is really what I would call the first example of leftist hypocrisy that we've seen. And it is truly disturbing right there. If you go on my feed on Twitter at Amy Peakoff, you'll see that I retweeted that earlier today. But it is uh, Doug Mataconis, who I first saw, who had tweeted it out there. So definitely check that out. Um, There is no white ideology, says Mark here in the chat room. Yeah. Why does the left think melanin content is so important and dictates how someone will fare in life, says PigFan. After the OJ tragedy, the same, says Ellen. There were so many cottage industries that emerged after that. Mark says Muslims all hold and follow the Quran. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of people who are self-declared Muslims who don't seem to follow the Quran that strictly. Um, And I think that is one thing that kind of, you know, that actually makes them a lot better than even their prophet, right? Because they do not follow the Quran strictly. I'm very happy to, you know, kind of, there is no reformation, right, in Islam, but there are many people who are acting as if it's reformed, and especially the majority of Muslims here in the United States just want to come here and live peaceful lives. What I think is has been a problem is that there haven't been enough Muslims outspoken against the violent jihadist acts. You would like to see more of this. We're starting to see some of it. We would like to see a lot more. In fact, I believe Cameron in the UK this week has actually called for more of the Muslims in the UK to, in effect, stop their silent support for ISIS. Uh, Mark says, why call themselves Muslim? There are a number of people who call themselves Christian who I would say probably don't lead very Christian lives. Um, Sometimes former Muslims, yeah. Sometimes what you would call lapsed Muslims. I mean, my grandmother always joked that she was a lapsed Catholic. Uh, She didn't try to call herself Catholic anymore by any means. But, you know, there are many people who self-identify with a religion and then they realize that they're actually not living up to it. And then they tend to feel guilty because they're probably even not living fully up to their idea. But, you know, I I don't know how Salon's going to answer for this. I saw some people out on Twitter trying to say, oh, you know, you didn't really get the more subtle point. All I can tell you is the, you know, the author, the Salon author of the article talking about, you know, white people needing to answer for the shooting. Definitely some of the implication from Chauncey DeVega is that the media should be asking some of these questions that Put the responsibility on so-called white culture whatever in the world that is supposed to be There are some racists out there, I, I mean I've had a number of actually I don't know how many people it is because the I think it's probably just one or two people but whoever it is goes to my blog and posts under different pseudonyms but Racist comments. I'm having to delete them all the time. So these people do exist. They are out there There is a small minority of white racists Like this guy, of course, this guy was also on drugs. So whatever he was steeped in was Magnified by whatever problems he had and whatever drugs he was taking But there is a a subculture of this and not that they're violent all of them um, but the The sentiments that I see are are definitely not friendly, and I, I delete them. So there is some there. But the idea that you're going to paint a broad brush over all of society and you know, yeah, of course. I mean, should I apologize for the racists or the violent racists? I don't know that I should apologize for them. I should certainly denounce them, which is what I do here on the show. And we'd like to see more of the denouncing from the uh, the Muslims. Now, let's get on to the second hypocrisy, because this one is one that you have seen and has probably annoyed you as much as it has annoyed me this week. And it is the call for gun control. It was already in that Salon article that I was reading a little bit about uh, from you. But, you know, Bosch Faustin, when he, uh, you know, Post-Garland, was invited on Dana Loesch's show on um, The Blaze he brought up this idea. He said, well, why is it that post-Garland, nobody was calling for gun control? And you, I don't know if you noticed that, but, you know, here's these two jihadists. They come there, they're heavily armed with automatic weapons, and you don't hear any predominant calls in the media for gun control. Now, why exactly was that? Of course, this week, what did you hear post-Charleston? Definitely you heard calls for gun control this week, uh, you know Obama. I mean, he he barely let any time fly at all. Any time pass before he went ahead and you know said about the what? What was it? Um, in the other advanced civilized countries or something, this doesn't happen, which is a bunch of garbage, of course, because you had the Charlie Hebdo massacre, and you also had the horrible massacre of what was it, 80 children in Europe? I'm actually blanking on the name of the murderer there. But um, in fact, there's one tweet that I actually saved out there on Twitter. And let me go ahead and see if I can find it through the magic of Twitter. Where are my favorites? Let me see if I can find all of my favorites on Twitter. This should be a simple thing to do, right? Okay, I go to my profile and i should be able to find my favorites in short order and i'm not able to find them this is very annoying what's the point of favoriting twitter if i can't find it okay here we go Uh aha yeah so um no that's not the one that i wanted hmm i favorited something earlier and it did not wind up here what it was was we had a chart And I know it was retweeted by Yernaz. Everyone knows Yernaz. I cannot, you know, do his last name justice. But he retweeted this from Kyle Becker. So that's how I found it. And look, it says I already favorited it here and it's not showing up. This is really evil. Um, The top five nations in the world for mass shootings per capita. Who are they? Norway. Finland. Slovakia israel and switzerland and what are they they all have restrictive gun laws so the top five nations in the world for mass shootings per capita have what you would call restrictive gun laws we come in sixth so this idea that we would do okay or you know do better somehow if we had restrictive gun laws i don't see that that would be the case and in fact so many people have pointed out that roof, what was he able to do in Charleston? He was able to do what he did because you're not allowed to conceal carry into churches. Churches are gun free zones, which is why he knew he could bring a gun in there. And if he was going to shoot somebody, he would be unopposed and just be able to kill <sighs> unfettered. So, this idea that you know, we're going to. Fix everything by passing some new gun laws. This is something that we see now. So, so let me ask you this question: Why do you think that is? We could speculate for many reasons. Why is it that post Garland, our politicians, Barack Obama, was not calling for gun control? Is a reaction there? Is it something just as simple and petty as, well, there are some victims, you know, some real innocent victims? in Charleston. And so therefore he can use that for political capital. I mean, anybody with a conceptual faculty could know that, you know, there would have been victims in Garland had the police not been able to do what they did, which is shoot the guys dead after they got off only one shot. Um, So you knew that those guys were armed, very dangerous That they could have done a lot of damage many many people could have died luckily it didn't happen why not call for gun control in reaction to that why why call for gun control with this is it because the perpetrators in the one were muslim and in this one the perpetrator is white i don't know if it's that or is it just because people died a lot of innocent people died in one and nobody innocent died in the other. And so we're being very, very concrete bound and we're not counting on everyone's ability to abstract and say, "Oh, well, what would have happened had the police not fortunately gun these two guys in Garland down? No call for gun control. Did the Garland shooters have legally purchased guns? I'm not sure about that. What we learned this week, I don't know if you saw, there was a third suspect who was caught in connection with garland and he apparently purchased the guns for the two guys and also trained them in the shooting um john here is speculating he says garland was lone wolves in south carolina was perpetrated by white culture I mean, that's the thing, you know, when it's Muslims, you're going to treat them as individuals and you're not going to ask about the broader ideology. No, like I said, my goal is not to blame all Muslims. And I don't think any rational person would blame all Muslims for the acts of Garland, of the Sarnav brothers, any of these acts. But you can look at the broader ideology and what it is about the ideology that is motivating a significant number of people who call themselves Muslim and act accordingly. But no, apparently you're not allowed to do that. However, if it is someone who is white, Salon can go ahead and write that white America must answer for this. I I really want to know what you think, um, the explanation is why do we have this double standard? Why is it that we have, you know, with respect to one, the ability to look at individuals with respect to the other? No, we have to look at them as a collective and paint a broad brush. And with respect to one, we're going to react by calling for gun control. And with respect to the other, we're going to say oh, we're not going to you know, play the gun control card this particular time around. Did they not care about the victims or the would-be victims in Garland? If those people had died, no big deal. Go ahead and call in if you want to, 760-888-5817. I do think I've got a call here on the line. Let me grab it. Hi, who's this?
1: This is uh, White America.
0: White America. (laughs) welcome white America so as white I America
1: answer. I, I, I want to answer
0: you have to answer I mean what is what does it mean to answer for this is all of white America that, supposed uh, to do part of the sentence or
1: well, well when when Muslims kill it's always not all Muslims you know the famous line not all Muslims sure. when an American when an individual American kills all Americans and also I think behind it is a that from the left. The left is uh they're they're self loathing and they're Americans and they hate America. It's part of their, you know, self image. They themselves hate America. They encompass their they encompass the basic self loathing onto you know, onto the country. And anything the country does is not is it, not good. So when something like that happens, it's us. We're we're in Islam. Islam's good. Islam means peace. So it's a right. like, a deviancy whenever a Muslim does that. It's that, that's not Islam. And they know that they know that to not be true. It's like even Jeb Bush the other day, he said again he said uh, these barbarians have hijacked uh, Islam, you know, ISIS. But
0: the right. fact
1: is that is, is Islam was born from barbarians, born from an individual barbarian. So that's, that's the idea here. Uh, I think it's that they really despise the good hatred of the good for being a good. And they, you know, they completely uphold the evil. And they flip it on its head. They're just twisted evil.
0: So... Gone. So no call for gun control because, yeah. because why? Well, I mean, here's the thing. In, in both cases, in Charleston well, well, and in even, Garland, even, even, you, even you, you had, had equally be innocent victims or would-be victims. Yeah,
1: mm? but, yeah, but Muslims can't be perpetrators, no matter what they do. Mm. No, no matter what they do, they, they can't You know,
0: be I, I remember, you know, pretty quickly after Garland, when you listened to some of the, the news media coverage, they would just say, Two died. In Garland, and they do this yeah. in a lot of yeah. the coverage of, of you know violent you know what crimes. They will count pa- the death pa- of the person who perpetrated right. the crime along with the others,
1: they but said, here it, it made it Pamela sound. Geller's, yeah, sorry. They said Pamela Geller's events uh, led to two deaths. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. To smear her now, Pamela Geller is responsible for deaths for two deaths. You know Amen. Right. That that's the thinking there. Also, one thing, um, the idea is that it was a just event on every ground. Those who came to kill die for it. Here, this scumbag kills innocent human beings. And Obama, now, the thing about Obama, right, he's always been anti-guns. He's always been for gun control for decades. That's, That's this thing. Everything is a pretext. He comes up there, crocodile tears, whatever. Even if he does, he probably can't even pull it off. Goes there and pretends that he's really, really moved by this. He wants gun control. Before he became president, after he, he'll, after he'll, he'll leave the presidency, he'll, he'll always want gun control, and this is the way you get it by this horrific act in his mind. And some people say, "Oh, well, he won't get it." That's not the point. He's trying to get it, and he's a totalitarian, so he'll. I mean, he he, will you try know, he did go. he didn't
0: hesitate to do his fundraiser and everything else the next day. So the idea Absolutely. that he was. So personally sure. affected. Be I mean, sure. if, if if you are a president, don't you think and especially, you know, you say that you identify with blacks and the plight of blacks um, at the hand of whites and, and blacks have been very mistreated in the past by whites. I completely admit that that is true, unfortunately, sure. in this country. Um, and they continue to be mistreated today, obviously. So why wouldn't he go instead of doing a fundraiser why wouldn't he just go to charleston
1: because he doesn't care yeah he doesn't give it there anyway this is a political thing look look his whole thing is to fundraise and live it up and destroy us so he's like yeah okay oh not, not people die okay good we can push our gut agenda and i'm not choking this guy's evil this guy's evil Right. If he did give a damn, he would be in South Carolina. He'd be making a speech there. He'd be talking with with the bereaved. He'd act like an American.
0: Now, Please Ellen, know. Ellen, Ellen here in the chat room. She's a new participant, so welcome, by the way. Uh, she's talking about. She says, "Well, we're having the wrong conversation because all origi- religion is irrational because you're relying on the dictates of faith." Now, uh, okay. Ellen, it is it is definitely true that. Um, religion at its root relies on faith and faith once you end up having a clash between what one person wants based on faith and what, what another person wants based on let faith me, or anything sorry, else
1: sorry, no sorry, let, let me let me let me,
0: let me finish okay, let me yeah. finish my thought first let me finish sure. my thought first um, you, that you're going to have this clash and that clash is going to require resolution by force that if people are going to operate by faith at the end the corollary is going to be Treating each other not on the basis of you know voluntary cooperation and rational persuasion, but by physical force, so that is true, that is the essence of religion. But today, what we have with Islam is a unique case in the sense that we have an unreformed religion with what is it, 1.2 billion adherents worldwide, Bosch, something like that? Whatever,
1: whatever. Yeah. They all change and, they all change
0: and we have a substantial enough subset of that that holds the religion, that adheres to the religion in its most extreme fundamental form such that they are actually motivated by the religion and declare so on a regular basis that they are going to wage violent Jihad against us. There is no other religion in the world that is doing this on this kind of scale right now Which is why Islam is singled out right now today on the show and specifically when we've got uh, Garland Which represents an attack a direct attack on freedom of expression in this country? Um, which is which is why we single it out and this week just this week a third suspect in garland the guy who was apparently the mastermind of the attack on garland you know he buys these two younger guys the guns and tells them what to do and sends them from arizona off to texas to go you know do his bidding and you know significantly the news media to some extent has reported but it bears repeating over and over this guy he had wanted to um you know, kind of mastermind and perpetrate a jihad attack on the Super Bowl. Okay. So everybody say, oh, you know, he we just went after Garland and he only went after Pamela Geller. And Pamela Geller, you know, she kind of provoked it anyway. And, you know, why are people committing blasphemy and making such a big deal? Why not just go along to get along and whatever, whatever? These guys, they had their sights set on the Super Bowl, and then they went ahead and settled for Garland. Now imagine here's pamela geller imagine if she had not hosted that event had not drawn these guys out in a way where they could be got by security guards or police or whoever ended up being the you know the sharpshooter that got them um she did such a great service by holding this event by flushing these guys out, maybe they would have made good on their plans at some point to commit a jihadist attack on the Super Bowl. And how many people would it would they have killed then? You know, and what kind of security do they have there? So it, this is a, a serious risk in our country today. And you just don't see this sort of thing. Like, for example, another story. Uh, what was it? 1,700 jihadists are apparently ready to go in France and they've got a whole bunch of suicide bombers ready to attack in France. You do not have a whole bunch of suicide bombing or violent Christians who are going around proclaiming that they are motivated directly by their religion to do their horrible, violent acts and cause a danger to all of us. So I hope I've, I've made it clear. Um, sorry, Bosh, I had to interrupt you, but I wanted to finish that.
1: No, that was good. Um, I don't know what to add besides uh, a, a simple question that I ask people who pretend that all religions are the same, they're all, all equally violent, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going on an airplane and you have a choice between uh, pilots, you have a, a Jew and a Christian, you know, a team, or two Muslims, which one would you want to fly the plane?
0: Oh, yeah, which, no which, contest.
1: No, no, which team would you want to, to fly the plane? Because all religions are the same, right? I mean, you know, equally violent, so what? doesn't matter. And, and then that the person will say, oh, so what? You know what, the Muslims, good. Because they're all you know, That's bad. I mean, it's bad because it's just not true. All religion is irrational. It relies on faith. Some are more benign than others. Some some prophets are are not uh, cutthroats, warlords like Mohammed was.
0: Right, and then and then of so course also different. in 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 the individual case, there are some people who self-identify as Muslim that I would rather deal with with respect to certain things, you know, I'm not going to be really close to them because I'm an atheist and they're religious, and so there's, you know, only so close I could ever be or how much dealing I'll have. But yeah. I might want to deal with some Muslims on a certain level more than some Christians or Jews, but you'd have to kind of flesh out the particular case and give yeah, me more facts and let indi- me know indi- let me know about the individual person. It's an
1: individual right? case. And you know what? There yeah. are hypocrites all across religions, and... Uh, you know, uh, the only Muslims I really you know can deal with are hypocritical Muslims because they're the best. They ignore Islam. They eat their bacon. They have their dogs. They treat their wife fine. They have friends. I mean, they are not Muslims.
0: You know, uh, when, when I Muslims. when I was young, when I when I was young, I was in a way thankful for the hypocrites of the you know self declared oh, yeah. religious yeah. people around me, only because right. they help me you know not take right. religion seriously right so right. but you know these these were all christians for the most part who i saw around me who you know it was the church on sundays type christian yeah. and yeah. you know throughout the week they were doing all sorts of horrible stuff and then they go to church on right. sundays and try to pretend that they're going to repent horrible by the
1: standards, horrible by the standards of their religion
0: right and and you knew in your mind that the important thing was to be as good as you could all the time that, you know, morality doesn't take some sort of holiday or it only applies on Sundays or anything else. That, that's crazy. Um, so these people who are hypocritical about their religion in a way, I you know, I felt like, oh, yeah, that you know, it just helped me realize that it's not the religion that's doing anything. It's the choice of, of the person that's making them right. good or bad. Now... If you, well, you talk about, if, to, if, if, to you, if you talk about Islam, I'm very yeah. happy about the hypocrites within Islam to the extent that they don't, you know, adhere strictly to it because the, but you I know, the organization thing. that's known for adhering strictly to Islam is ISIS.
1: So, yeah. but I will say one thing about the, you know, the average Muslims, the hypocritical Muslims, they've been uh, really disgusting post-Garland with me personally the way they deal with me on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, and uh, you you could think I'm, I'm piling on, but the fact is they are really enraged by, by my tweets, by my cartoons, and they pretend that Islam truly means peace. They actually believe that. They need to believe that, and I'm the villain. And ISIS is just some freakish thing that's happening that's, that has nothing to do with Islam, and they're really disgusting, and uh, they're boring me to death right and uh they really pissed me off and i guess there's a little different perspective that i had in the pre pre garland um yes their, their absolute denial dangerous amount because they're, they're, they're you know they're these scumbags are acting in the name of their religion they're they are co-religionists with isis no matter what they pretend and they're they're sanctioned by the silence and by the coming after those well and that fights.
0: and that's the thing that Cameron apparently kind of awkwardly awkwardly called out he's this such week an is that-
1: he's such an ass he's such a hypocrite rat. Hypoc- i mean really he is he'll go he'll say something decent sometimes and then say islam's great if mm-hmm. islam's great what the hell is going on cameron so, so so
0: I guess, I guess what he wants to do is he, I, mean, I don't understand how these politicians go off pontificating about what Islam is or is not, yeah. right? But it's his idea that he knows the great interpretation of Islam and that the right. Muslims, the Muslims in the UK, you know, who he now is complaining that right. they're being silent and complicit with ISIS, that somehow they are not living up to whatever his vision of Islam is. Is that it?
1: One thing, one thing, one observation also: this scumbag killer, the racist F, mm-hmm. who killed the the innocents in that church, he says he's a racist. He says he wanted to start a race for him. Everyone takes him at his word. I just right. says they're doing it for Islam, and what does everyone say? Oh no, 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 no! Not no, word. exactly,
0: I'm, I'm exactly. I'm
1: what they say. Anyway, I'll let you go. Um, no, no, that that's I was, fine.
0: I mean, do yeah, you okay, uh,
1: right.
0: do you uh, do you have any comments on uh, Miss racial dolazal? <laughs>
1: Racial Dolizzle. She's not Rachel. She's racial do- Dol Dolizzle. Racial Dolizzle. Uh, um, do you have a, her, Do you have any I predictions? I call her lie racial. She calls lie lie call, yeah. her lie racial. Lie racial.
0: Do you um, Do you have any predictions for what uh, lying
1: MSNBC show?
0: Okay, so so lying is going to yeah. get her a host position on MSNBC.
1: Absolutely. OK, well, Spo-
0: Spokane, Spokane apparently voted to remove her from the police commission, which sure. I think is just considering that Absolutely. she lied in her application. Yep. Um, and then the other person who seems to be getting a pass with respect to dishonesty this week is Brian William. No. Right. He is and, going and
1: he's blaming, to wait, he's blaming his he, he's winning his non-existent ego for for this. His
0: non-existent ego. You know, yeah. look, it, it's it's just as good a time as any to voice my disappointment with Greg Gutfeld. I um I actually I actually unplugged. I don't have Fox News right now. But if you go on the Fox News website, you can see the opening clip of Greg Gutfeld's new Sunday show. It's just the Greg Gutfeld Show is what it's called. And it was about evil. I think there was something more to the t- the you know segment title than just that. But if you look at the various clips that they offer you at foxnews.com, you know under his show, um, it's um, you know kind of a monologue from him about evil, and you see a you know a, a screen grab of him with like these illuminated red eyes, you know, making him look evil or whatever. Oh. And at the at the very beginning, first of all, the segment had a whole bunch of really random like numerology type, you know, calculations trying to make conclusions based on the weird ways that numbers added up and stuff, which was it was total nonsense. And some of it's funny, okay, fine. But the thing that really got me disappointed was at the very beginning, he talks about, okay, well let's talk about evil and he makes a chart and there's like four quadrants in the chart and he says, okay, there's four components of evil and one of them was random. It was something like coconut water or something. So there was only three that were substantive and one of them began with a D but I can't remember what it was. The the only thing I can remember is the one that really got me upset. He said, that evil is part self-interest so one of the four quadrants he, he of the things that make up evil according to greg gutfeld on the debut of his brand new show is self-interest
1: think about that also think about the uh, precise term that he used. he didn't use selfishness he didn't use selfish right no he used, uh, self-interest that's a more term you know a far more semi-acceptable term in this society even in a self society Self interest. He condemns that as evil. And he just really outed himself far because I mean we knew he was really woozy and he has no ego and all that, but this is just him declaring. He has no self, he doesn't give a damn. His whole his whole thing is don't take me seriously, don't take me seriously, don't take me seriously. I don't take it seriously, Greg. He's done. Uh,
0: now did you see a don't quote from the evil. Ooh. Yeah. Did you see a quote from Williams about attributing it to ego attributing yeah. his yeah. lies to ego oh yeah, oh, yeah here Absolutely. it is it says oh yeah okay this is the the New York it, Times piece right here it says ego. it says mr. Williams blamed his ego huh. so it's not what a ego. quote but it's a, it's a it's a paraphrase by the New York Times yeah. blamed his ego for telling stories that were not true so here's the quote from Williams he said that the fabrications quote came from clearly a bad place a bad yeah, urge, a ass. bad urge inside of me. End quote.
1: A <laughs> bad urge. Meaning, it's like it's, it's beyond me. It's something evil inside me, and I got to get it out. Yeah. I wanna, I,
0: I and then, go back. and then he says uh, he also spoke about getting things mixed up. And when pressed by Lauer about whether he had lied and should have admitted that he did, he said, "Quote: I know why people would see it that way. It is not what happened. What happened is a whole host of other sins." End quote. Um, now,
1: this this is that. interesting. He, he, no, he, he, yes, yeah, so he's over the whole can of worms. Like I am far worse than you. Would well,
0: no, but but I mean, li- listen to this, right? Because one thing that you know, as, as objectivists, you know, as followers of Rand's philosophy, we do believe in is the unity of the virtues, right?
1: Yes, yeah, so I mean, and unity of the sins as well. Him.
0: Well, exactly. So the point is, is that if he was, for example trying to fake things to seem important or whatever, of course, honesty is going to go. Or if he wanted to go ahead and be unjust to somebody and to basically, you know, treat them as they didn't deserve, maybe he'd have to fabricate a story in order to do so. Right. So you could see that the there's different ways that All sorts of virtues or sins could relate to one another. So yeah, of course, committing certain sins or wrongs could come out as dishonesty. But you can't say it's not dishonesty because maybe it came from you know, really the the primal purpose was to commit some sort of other sin. You can't therefore say, well, then it wasn't dishonesty. No, it's true that if you are committing one sin, that's going to propagate throughout and have you committing a bunch of other sins as well. You can't deny, you know, that, that you're doing something immoral in a certain way just because it right. has another component to it. That's ridiculous. So there was a poll that was out there, um, you know, it, he's not gonna be, I guess, a lead anchor, but he's still going to be on NBC.
1: Oh, so it's
0: not the it's lie- not the previous Oh, I guess he's he's gonna do some well,
1: well, you know what, hold on a second, hold on. Will, special will reports for MSNBC or something? Hmm? Well he'd be hooked up to a lie detector that is on the screen at all times, so therefore, you know, we can know okay, he's not talking, no, well, you know. a lot detector at all This times. is
0: this is this is what I was thinking, right? Because some people were asking, they're saying, Okay, well could you ever you know, would he ever have credibility in your mind ever again? Hey, he
1: never had it before. Hold on a second. He never had it before. He always sucked. <laughs> I'm not
0: joking Well, he it's he it's one thing to suck and it's another thing hack. to think that everything that comes Hold out of on. his mouth is a lie. Hold right? on. Right. He was
1: a biased hack and you knew he voted for Obama. You knew he omitted certain truths of the of certain stories. You right. knew he omitted stories. He, he didn't he sure as hell didn't uh, cover stories that were detrimental to the Democrats and whatnot. It was, was always, you know, an obvious hack. But now it's just really like, oh, okay, wow, this guy's worse than we thought. And that's the point. He's far worse. And, yeah. and what, no, it's, even, it's even worse than you know.
0: I, I, was, I was just thinking that he should always be prohibited from now on from talking about any personal involvement in any story. Because isn't it always wasn't it always Look, with respect to his personal involvement in some sort of event that he got in trouble?
1: Yes. Yeah. Now, what, what he, should, he should have a show on MSNBC, right? It's a it's a, a bar. He's behind the bar. He has his sleeves rolled up. And it's mm-hmm. called Brian Williams Storyteller. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he could just really flap away. You know, say whatever. You know what I mean? Late night, after midnight. You know what I mean? People I don't know. I just... Make, he, he, I mean,
0: people, people just don't treat dishonesty as important anymore. And the Rachel Dolezal story is basically giving us that message there are a number of people who now obviously she has been held accountable by some people but others are more than willing to welcome her with open arms and even even in some cases celebrate her
1: you know there some blacks are forgiving her because she's down with the struggle man white or black whatever she's Mm -hmm. down with the struggle with this with this with this a never-ending cortical struggle that really should have ended and, you know, would have ended if you didn't have uh, rats like a Sharpton and Obama and all these rats trying, trying to pretend that we are a hardcore racist culture, which we're not. After Oprah Mark, and Michael Jordan and, you know.
0: All right. Now, Mark, Mark over here in the chat room is predicting that he's not going to last very long after he comes back. Do you concur?
1: I hope so. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Al Sharpton has a show on MSNBC. Al Sharpton. A thug. Right. A scumbag. Now, let me, let a me, liar. A cheat.
0: Now I want to I want to ease into a few just kind of non news of the week quality on, wait, of on, life on, sort on. of wait, stories. Wait wait huh? wait
1: wait wait hold on. If Brian I can't Williams do it. Identifies himself. Wait one second. If Brian Williams identifies himself as a black man and uh, dyes his skin, and you know, I mean, maybe there's some redemption there. I mean, maybe because then, okay, because the only reason why Sharpton has a show is because he's it, because black. So maybe if he does that, maybe.
0: <sighs> okay. <laughs> But yeah the the uh, the news of the week was definitely getting to me and, in particular, um, you know, Charleston and then, of course, you know, hearing about more and more. The the last thing I heard, too, is there were three different guys in the Ohio area that have been arrested for supporting ISIS. Did you hear about that story as well? So it's it's not the same world out there than at least I thought it was maybe before Garland occurred. Um, yeah. They they seem to be finding more and more of these ISIS sympathizers here in this country. Uh, between that and this horrible roof who decides he's going to go into a, a church and shoot up a bunch of innocent people with no I say, provocation. Sorry,
1: to me, it was a watershed moment, not just because I was involved, okay, whoever's thinking that, but... It was the watershed moment, not just for the scum or trying to wipe or mow us down for uh, for for basically expressing our freedom of speech, but because of the reaction to Garland on the right, right. they were they really betrayed us. A lot of people betrayed us, and right. it, it's it's a litmus test. It's a litmus test, and uh, that's the scary thing because people who were you assume were otherwise decent human beings who you know, supported free speech and freedom in America, they don't. Right. They don't. There are a lot of people now to the point where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially right now, even, even Post-Garland, these fast friends that made Post-Garland uh, who aren't fast friends, uh, they've already you know, been, you know, okay, this one guy, um, you want me to out him or no? The one guy on the Facebook mm-hmm. as someone's producer or you want me to out this one guy who, who really puked on my thread?
0: Yeah, so this, this is... This is, what's his name, producer, Savage?
1: Yeah, Michael Savage's producer, or former right. producer, former producer, I don't know. Uh, Neil West, and I call him K-N-E-E-L, East, Neil right. East, because you know he's kneeling toward liquor. Uh, there was a video in France of uh, savage Muslims, and I'm not talking about ISIS, they were average Muslims turning over cop cars, completely destroying private property, and casually doing it. They weren't under duress, they weren't, they were just casually doing it, more or less chewing gum while while they were doing it. And uh, I said this, you know, watching this video makes me think of Planet of the Muslims, like Planet of the Apes. They're acting like absolute savages. So he comes on there and starts smearing me, calling me a racist, he's Mm -hmm. mocking me for Garland, it's a big joke, it's this and that. And this is the nature of certain people who are out there. This guy's a producer of a very popular, uh, radio show, supposedly right wing, yeah. Yeah, supposedly yeah. right wing, and this guy's an absolute yeah.
0: What, whatever I've seen of him, I don't know that he himself is at all right wing though. So um, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but but how? Yeah, I know, exactly yeah, it's it's it
0: isn't. it's it's definitely been a, a really hard week, and so I had this idea that what I wanted to do, and this is actually the idea that I had, I decided okay, I want to go read this book. And I've had this book sitting on my stack to read for a long time and it's called the Greek way By Edith Hamilton and the idea is that it gives you a look into the high point of Greek civilization right in Athens and you read about the lives and the lifestyle and everything of a number of leading Greek figures um, both artistic and, and philosophical and To me, I saw it as an escape. I really did. I said, okay, I want to go look at this book, read this book to escape. That was exactly my thought going. So I go and I pick up the book and I read the introduction and I'll be damned. Hamilton is writing in the introduction about the fact that when the the world around you is really terrible, isn't it great, and, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but isn't it great to look on to the, you know, kind of glory days, the golden age of Greece and just immerse yourself in it, lose yourself in it for a little while and enjoy hearing about that great civilization. That's what she writes in the introduction of this book that I went to pick up exactly for the purpose. And I mean, you can, t- I, I'm, I normally am not that person, but this week i just felt like i wanted to do that so i was really impressed the other thing that i got right towards the beginning of the book was that they in greece also had elements of things that could be analogized to the threat of jihad that we have today so it's not like it was you know completely peaceful and it was all listening to lectures from plato and aristotle in bliss and, you know, that was all that was going on. It wasn't just that as well. But, the, you know, this idea of losing yourself in the accomplishments of history as a way to escape the horribleness that's going on in the news and the world around you. That's got me. So if, you, if you're interested in that as well, pick up The Greek Way. It's a small book by Edith Hamilton, and, and you'll enjoy it, and I'll probably talk about it more. As uh, I get more into it. Another thing, I just put a couple other links for you that you might find interesting. Uh, Ari Mysel, Less Doing More Living, it's a book that he wrote, and you can check it, you know, check out the book, but he's also got lectures and stuff too. And he basically gives you a lot of tips for optimizing automating and then of course suggestions for outsourcing a lot of the things that you do that maybe you shouldn't be doing so that you can do more of the stuff that you want to do and the stuff that you uniquely are good at that was recommended by Alex Epstein and I think I got it as a secondhand recommendation through somebody else Uh, then because of him I have been doing feedly Feedly is awesome. So you just basically say, I want to follow this news site, you know, New York Times or these blogs, you know, the few blogs here. And you can get a quick feed of the headlines. I put Vala Conspiracy in there and stuff. And you can look at different things. So there's one article in there, is intermittent fasting good for you? Uh, Some of these gurus like Dave Asprey recommend intermittent fasting and some of you might actually do it I know a number of my friends on Facebook had talked about doing it and Chris Kresser who I think is a very smart guy who backs up what he says with research and science uh, he says kinda predictably it depends so intermittent fasting might be good for you in certain situations and might not and he talks about his personal uh, tactic for it Um, the i've got a few more headlines there and some of them come from volat conspiracy blog and i don't know if we have time to do justice to these stories uh still no legal authorization for the war against isis Ilya Soman over at the washington post volat conspiracy blog talks about the fact that we have been supposedly fighting in some way isis for almost a year but there is no congressional authorization for the war and this is really speaking to me about the lack of our government doing the basic job that they're supposed to do. Why is it that we've got ISIS who is explicitly talking about recruiting people here in the United States? We have our FBI going we you know we had this story a few weeks ago. FBI has decided they need to go into high schools at least in the New Jersey area, maybe elsewhere and talk to students and tell them that they shouldn't be taken in by some of the ISIS recruiting videos you know that they don't they're afraid that some of these normal American kids attending our high schools are going to be attracted to joining ISIS. So this is this is a problem here in the United States. And yet what is Obama doing? I mean first of all he can't even get congressional authorization for A war against Isis we can't get enough people in our house and in our Senate to approve this and Isis is not I mean are are they not the most evil? State if they are a state, you know people say that they're becoming more like a state all the time that they have bureaucracy and all these other things resources Uh, Maybe you don't want to dignify it with state, but are they not the most evil entity on this planet right now, and one that does pose a danger to us and our allies and the stability of the Middle East, and we can't even get an authorization for a war against this organization.
1: It's not just Obama. It's it's the whole Washington.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the whole Washington uh, establishment.
1: I know. know. They don't value the country. Period. (sighs) Some of them hate the country, but a lot of them just don't give a damn. Because if they did, ISIS wouldn't exist today. They would not exist. Can I just make one announcement quick? Okay. Herb Wilders uh, tried to get me to uh, the Dutch Parliament with my work. It didn't, didn't happen. So now he's going to put my cartoon and other Muhammad cartoons on Dutch TV tomorrow. So I can tell my Dutch friends. Uh, it'll be It'll be there tomorrow on NPO2, a little before 1 p.m. your time.
0: Okay. 1 p.m. local time. So right now there, it might be the early, early morning. So in several hours, basically. Okay.
1: So uh, yeah, he'll be showing the uh, Marvel cartoons and talking about them. And if anyone knows, well, if you know the language, you can maybe uh, tweet me or something and tell me what he said, because it'll be, I think, a a minute or two long. I I won't understand it. So anyway, that's all. I just want to let people know. Yep. And then in the, no a major American television show will show it, but Dutch TV through an ad through him, he wants to pay for a spot. We'll show it. That's
0: all. So you can actually pay for a spot there, which I don't think you can yeah. even do here. That, really that would be an interesting funny? test. That would be an interesting test to see if you yeah, could pay for right. a spot, say on Fox news right. here and actually right. get that. Um, more news military wise Senate passes then blocks military bill. Does that sound confusing or what? It says the Senate on Thursday passed they passed a 600 billion defense policy bill that would rein in pension costs, ban the use of torture and authorize lethal offensive weapons for Ukraine, but it then immediately rejected a measure to pay for it. So they authorized it and then said no, they won't pay for it And so what the New York Times is saying that this is the first battle in a spending fight that could end in a government shutdown this fall So the New York Times is already trying to sound the government shutdown bell To try to basically make sure that the Republicans roll over more quickly, right? you know because if they get on the government shutdown train right now and start sounding the alarm about this then don't you think that the gop is going to roll over even faster than they are going to otherwise i mean they already said they're not going to shut down the government right yes that's
1: that's the most important thing to americans you know so
0: i mean this it's this sort of thing where they have these big defense bills with a billion different things piled into it which is why we can't get an authorization to fight isis but if our politicians were at all just honest people why not just have a single bill authorizing a fight against isis a because war against a isis because and then pass why that can't, i mean can't our politicians agree that the safety no. of our country is important enough to do that
1: <laughs> clearly not
0: clearly not they have to they have to pack it in with this and a ban on torture and the this and the that and you know and 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 all those republicans right you know they'll say okay well i'll pass this and there is uh, some bad stuff in it but i'll pass it but then i won't i'll vote against funding it so that i can say no really i voted against it but later i'm going to roll over anyway when they forget that i passed it right it it is such a a Bunch of garbage. Um, another thing that really got me upset this week is a Pope out there calling for Sacrifice of all of us for the so-called environment Yes
1: That's that's Obama's Pope flat-out. That's Obama's yeah, pope. he loves Islam He's a global warming guy like Bill O'Reilly. I'm a, I'm a global warming guy, you know so he wants—he
0: wants to be world. like dictator of the world, I guess. He sends yeah, out his document he, on the environment and the threat of climate yeah. change.
1: He also said mm-hmm. about something, uh, some extravagant thing about like changing the future or changing the world. That's not you know, first of all. I don't know what the hell the Pope's job is, first of all, but that's beyond his uh, job. <laughs> that's beyond his power, also. Right. Uh, just, just one thing about about gun control because it, it's been up in the air, and Obama's pushing it again. I said criminals will abide by new gun laws as much as they abide by old gun laws. Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
0: Um, criminals will be
1: criminals.
0: You know, I, I'd like to think that the Pope felt like he had to do this because Alex Epstein has huh. put out there into right. the world and gotten as a bestseller the moral case for fossil fuels and so the Pope decides he's going to go ahead and just shove his his faith-based view on everybody to try to counter that.
1: I hope you read Alex's book and wept. And this is his reaction. I hope so. I hope that's case.
0: So we'll see how the battle of reason versus faith uh, fares out there. But I'm guessing that when people see the effect on the pocketbook of the sort of thing that the Pope is calling for, I mean, you know, the idea that people keep First of all, that there's been so much counter-evidence to the doom and gloom predictions of the climate change alarmists, right? There's What, yeah. what was the one that you... I, I think you told me one recently, Bosh, well, it was um, something like they predicted a certain area would be underwater by now, but it yeah. wasn't. New York or something.
1: City. New wow. York. New York yeah. underwater now. And they don't have to be accountable for that. In the 70s, it was the ice age, the new ice age. They're like, oh, you know... Don't worry about it. Everything yeah. is doom and gloom. Everything is being to be exploited. I mean, this is this is a whole shtick.
0: So if people are out there and you're a Catholic and you are actually questioning whether you still want to adhere to the authority of the Pope after this, I guess so much to the good to me. But I think, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think the
1: Pope is really putting off a lot of Americans. And that's good. Yeah.
0: Well, and and the other thing is, you know, you'd want to say to him. Okay, that train already left the station. People are already doubting the doom and gloom predictions of the global warming and climate change alarmists. They something? are they are doubting that all these drastic measures of the type that he calls for actually need to be taken.
1: Can I just say something? It was almost it was almost in sync with the economy taking a hit that global warming started being the the uh, the skepticism the uh, the skepticism really went to the roof. But people can't pay for this BS anymore because right. when it comes down to it, a lot of people have been throwing millions of dollars to these scientists and all this crap and all this, you know, Al Gore, and they're like, wait a minute, uh, I took a hit. I mean, you know what, maybe, it's not, maybe, it's nothing. maybe there's, there's nothing to it, if you understand know what I'm saying. They're right. not going to keep blowing money in something that doesn't really exist. They're not going to do it. So well, and especially, it and, all- and
0: especially today where we're talking about – Europe potentially going bankrupt in part because they're trying to continue to prop up Greece and everything else. We've got the negative bond rates here in the United States. We continue to keep interest rates effectively at zero for several more months. Things are not good. And no, this idea warming, that, you know, we, we've yeah. got all this extra resources lying around to just go ahead and uh, yeah. attack so-called yeah. climate change. That's
1: it's insane. ridiculous. Not, not- I want say it's a that scam is a luxury only when yeah. we're doing well. But when 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 we're hurting, all of a sudden you're like, eh, I don't know, maybe there's nothing to it. That's it. That mean when they have when they have money to burn, they can prop this crap up. But right now they're mm-hmm. like, mm, make, yeah. Make let's
0: ho- let us let us hope it continues. Now, where do you come down on this controversy, Bosch? Um, now they're talking. First of all, they want to change the ten dollar bill. So it's no longer it's no longer going to be Hamilton. They decided that they must put a woman on the 10 dollars bill. Okay. It's, yeah. it's got to be a woman. So then the, you know, inevitable thing is that everybody should try to have their input as to which, you know, who it should be, what woman it should be. Now, now first of all, let me tell you, I don't know why they're doing this because as I understand it, we are on the verge of being a cashless society. We should be a classless, we should be a classless society. But one one thing that is true due to technology is maybe we're less of a you know class-based society, but also we're supposed to be very soon a cashless society. And how many people really do a whole lot of transactions in cash right now anyway, not too many. So you'd think this is the last thing that they should be thinking about. Why should our treasury be having any sort of a campaign to change, redesign a $10 bill. $10 bills, first of all, they're not even worth that much anymore. But second of all, I mean, you know, thanks to Obama and his predecessors. Um, But I mean, why do this now? So there's that. And then you'd say, okay, well, if you're going to do it, given that you're going to do it, who are you going to put on it? And the idea was not mine. Some people have decided they want to start a campaign to try to suggest, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. Oh my God. That's what they should do. That's what they deserve, right? Um, But some people have started a campaign to put Ayn Rand on this $10 bill. And if you follow me on Twitter, you saw I put a couple tweets out there about this. You say, okay, well, given you got government fiat currency, which is bad stuff, uh, given that you think you have to change the figure on the $10 bill which I don't see why you need to but if you're going to do that I couldn't think of anybody better male or female than Absolutely. Ayn Rand why because Ayn Rand is the one who taught us that money is the root of good that you know everyone talks about all the money she she understood the the true nature of money as good and I, I mean, what, what's more appropriate? So if you want to go ahead and vote, there's a couple different polls that are being conducted on Twitter. And if you go onto my Twitter feed at Amy Peekoff, you can do that. Some people have said, well, of course, Ayn Rand rejected fiat currency and she would have rejected this. She would not have wanted to be on the bill. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it, it could be a way to further educate about it. I know that she was a stamp collector. She did eventually get featured on a stamp, and some of us still have you know, sheets of those stamps that we've kept all these years. But um, anyway, go ahead and vote. Kind of give us your opinion. You can continue and give us your opinion over at DontLetItGo.com. Uh, Mark in the chat room says, in gold we trust. Yes, eventually what we would insist is that this is some sort of That's a gold me. coin or at least some sort of precious metal coin. Oh, there's petitions. Petition.whitehouse.gov. Place Ayn Rand on the $10 bill. Okay, so if you go to petition.whitehouse.gov, double forward slash petition, single forward slash place Ayn Rand $10 bill with short hyphens in between. That's what we've got here by Mark in the chat room. Yeah, the stamp was good. Um, Maybe it would scare the Fed into going out of business. We could only hope. All it could be right now is symbolic but it's, it might be a symbol that we take. And then the very last link over at my program notes at the blog at don'tletitgo.com is a piece of good news that I learned about courtesy of Yaron Brook. And you know Yaron is also here on Blog Talk Radio on Mondays. And he was talking about this story this week. Washington Post, of course, criticizes this story with this headline. The headline is, The ultimate in school choice or school as a commodity? Wouldn't it be horrible if school is a commodity? But the story is this. They say, starting next year, any parent in Nevada can pull a child from the state's public schools and take tax dollars with them, giving families the option to use public money to pay for private or parochial school or even for homeschooling. The new law, which the state's Republican-controlled legislature passed with help from education is a breakthrough for conservatives. They call it the ultimate in school choice. So I think overall, this is good news. The reason it apparently can happen in Nevada is because they don't have such a prohibition against state money going to eventually religious schools. It might also be because the parent is the middleman. The parent gets the money and then it's the parent who decides where to spend it versus a voucher program. So, let's watch for more. I definitely like to see that good news. Uh, do check out the story again. It's over at the end of my program notes at dontletitgo.com. Uh I wanted to end up uh, thinking uh, end off by thanking people for donating to the show. I really appreciate it. A few people have kind of you know, filled up the buttered coffee fund this week and I appreciate that. And uh, if you are enjoying the show, please do share with your friends. And we will talk to you next week, same time, eleven p.m. Uh, eleven p.m. Eastern time. Take care. Take care.